Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to be with you this morning. I'm Sarah. This is Micah. We're the pastors at the Vine Church. And we're so thankful for this technology that allows us to be together virtually. Absolutely. Today we continue a series in the book of Ephesians where we've been looking at the message that Paul wrote to the churches surrounding Ephesus in the first century. Uh, we've been exploring to understand in its context what's Paul saying to these people and uh, in our context. What does God's word have to say for us today? And so the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talk about what God has accomplished through Jesus and through the Spirit in this uh in this world and in the church and so it, it's like declarations of you are loved by god adopted by god adopted into this family jew and gentile everyone together is invited into this united family um and and then in chapter four it begins to make a shift where he begins to give instructions so because of who you are in jesus christ this is what it looks like to live into who you have been made to be so today we're going to continue. We'll be in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. And it's kind of a long section, so settle in, get comfortable, and here we go. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. All right, so Paul starts to get into the nitty-gritty of how to live life, what to do, some of the do's and don'ts. And I don't know how you react to passages like this. Some of us really adopt it and take it easily. For some of us, it's pretty challenging to be told, I think you're doing it wrong, or to be corrected in some way. For instance, one of the most traumatic experiences of my life came in fifth grade. 
um, during a coloring project, a group coloring project. So that we were. Sounds pretty dramatic. It, yeah. For a colorblind kid <laughs> that had no passion uh, for for coloring or art, um, yeah. The way it played out. So did you know, apparently, when you're coloring, I was coloring a table in our little house. It was a picture inside a house. You're supposed to color all one direction. Yeah. It's not like this. <laughs> well, I got in big trouble. I got chewed out by my partners in this uh, project because apparently I was doing it wrong. But here's the thing. Everything is in life is a learned experience. A colorblind kid that didn't color much isn't going to color very well, right? Uh, in the same way, Paul is not giving these instructions or these corrections as some sort of harsh rebuke. And keep in mind, the first three chapters of this book uh, that he writes, or this letter that he writes to the Ephesians, speak time and time again about who you are. You have been saved. You are loved. And nothing he says here trumps that. Nothing he says here changes that. Instead, what he's doing here is acknowledging that every activity in life is a learned activity. Like we have to learn everything that we will do and accomplish. And he's saying, including walking in the way of Jesus. This is a learned activity. And so he starts off describing how the Gentiles lived and which was the believers old way of life. Many of the believers, most of the believers here in, in the churches around Ephesus were um, Gentiles. And so it's not a pretty description at the beginning. He describes, he says, you know, you can't live like the Gentiles do any longer in the futility of their thinking. He describes their understanding as being darkened. They're, they lack understanding that they're separated from life, um, from the life of God because of, of their ignorance and because they've hardened their hearts. And that's a phrase that's used in the Old Testament multiple times, meaning they've, they've refused God. So they've hardened their hearts um, and they've given themselves over to sensuality, to the impulses and desires, what, whatever, whatever they want to do at that time. And they're indulging in every kind of impurity and are full of greed. It's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty thinks. picture. Now, you can only imagine being one of these Gentile listeners in the church. And he says, now, don't live like the Gentiles anymore. And you're like, wait, that's me that's yeah. who i am now he's not speaking to their culture to their norms to the things that they hold dear in their nations or whatever except that which contradicts the way of jesus what he's speaking of is what it looks like to walk in the in, in the way of jesus whether you're greek or roman or jewish what does it look like? And he refers to this old way of living. He, he, throughout the book, has been contrasting the old and the new, what has been brought about. And in this old way of living, he speaks of the futility of your thinking. Because here's the reality that, that Paul is speaking to. Uh, our thoughts are going to affect our outcomes, right? The way we think about a situation, a circumstance, is going to affect the way it plays out in our lives, the result it has in our lives. For instance, this last week, uh, one of our daughters um, started taking um, a new aerobics class, acrobatics class, mm -hmm. uh, doing silk. Aerial silk. Aerial mm -hmm. silk. Okay. And uh, she's she's has a friend, a friend that does this, and she's wanted to do this for a while. So a class just opened in the Tri-Cities, and we got her in. And we're getting out of the car, and I knew this was going to be kind of intimidating mm -hmm. and kind of challenging, definitely challenging. Yeah. 
And I said to her, hey, I want you to go in confident. You can do this, Rachel. And uh, so she she starts the class, and she's doing quite well uh, for being brand new at it. But as she takes breaks and comes over to get a drink of water, uh, she's looking a little bit fearful or discouraged. And I kept telling her, hey, you can do this. You are doing great. Because I know that in my daughter's experience and in that moment, the way she's thinking about her abilities and the way she's thinking about what's happening right there is going to affect the outcomes. Paul is saying the same here. You, you have this old way of thinking. I invite you to adopt the new way of thinking because it will affect the outcomes. Interestingly enough, Paul also speaks to ignorance um, in this section. And and I don't know about you, but if I if I were somewhere to call me ignorant, mm-hmm. I'd be pretty offended. Like that's not something you would say necessarily to someone. Um, but Paul here isn't trying to insult them. I think the ignorance that he's speaking here is simply not knowing God, simply not understanding who God is because they they have hardened their hearts, because they've refused to accept God's invitation up to this point. And so Paul here is saying, because you don't know God, because of the because futility, you didn't because you didn't know God yeah. because of thank you because of the futility of this thinking of of this old way your life just looked very different than what God wanted and then he says it but it's not this isn't the way of Jesus and so he's going to continue we're going to read this section again starting in verse 20 that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so here Paul is contrasting the old way and the new way. He's contrasting the way you used to live with the way of Jesus. And it's interesting because in the old way of living, he describes sensuality and greed. And and why are those the things listed? I mean, they're not like the only vices or problems that people might have been experiencing in their old way of living. I think it's because these are the antithesis, the exact opposite of the way of Jesus. Jesus demonstrates denying himself for the sake of others. In fact, uh, as opposed to greed, he gives everything of himself, including his own life, for the sake of other people. And so Paul is highlighting for us how different the way of Jesus was and what we have been invited into. He says, uh, allow your mind to be renewed. Think differently about this world as opposed to striving to gratify every desire that you have Live in the way of Jesus, who loved and gave generously. And really, really interesting to me in here is this phrase in verse 23. He says, when 22, you were taught in 23 to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Okay, so a little grammar lesson here. Bear with me. Okay. <laughs> I know you, you love. You said little. So a little I'm grammar lesson that. here. To be made new. In the Greek, this verb is a present passive infinitive. 
And here's what I mean by not, that. Not helpful. Not helpful. I know. But it's a passive verb. And passive means the action is being done to them. So they're not the ones doing the action. It's passive. So they're being made new. Someone else is doing this action. And also, it implies a continuous action. It's not something that's that's done once and then it's done, and it's over with. It's continually being made new. Mm. And I think this is really powerful because Paul is saying here, in this new way of life, you are continually being made new in the attitudes of your mind. And this is the Holy Spirit working in the believers then and now the Holy Spirit working in us to transform us. Now, another really interesting thing about this is that right before and right after, Paul uses other verbs that are not in in this passive um, passive tense. In verse 22, he says, put off the old self. And in verse 24, he says, and put on the new self. And this tense indicates that the believers are doing the action. So you have God and the Holy Spirit working um, in the believers, transforming them. And also Paul is saying, and you are participating too. You have a part in this too. You're, you are to put off uh, the old self and put on the new self. So we have this blending, this working together of the Spirit and our actions as well. And then Paul ends this little section, the really bold statement. He says, put off the old self, you're being made new, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, you were created to be like God in that you are to live a life that is righteous and holy. Okay. And so he continues in verse 25, a therefore statement, right? Mm -hmm. So because of all that, because of what God has done and because of who you are in him, he says, therefore, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to each other. You're part of one body. He says, don't sin in your anger. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't give the devil those kind Mm -hmm. of footholds in your life. Anyone who's been stealing Don't steal anymore, but instead do something useful. Work with your hands that you may give something. Share with those in need. So he's describing this new life. And it's interesting to see the things that he picks um, to describe about this new life. One of the things in here is in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I don't know if you grew up in a Christian household or not. I did. And this was one of the verses that was quoted to me when I was in trouble. So I still kind of I get a little frustrated when I hear <laughs> hear this verse. But whenever I, you know, I had a fight with my my siblings, a little scuffle about something and I was angry with them, I'd be reminded, remember, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry with your siblings. So just a, a parent note, I would not recommend quoting scripture while disciplining your children. <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's interesting um, how in this verse, Paul pre-assumes anger. He says, when in your anger, do not sin. And there will be times when we are angry. And I think it's important to allow room for righteous anger. When we see injustice, when we see oppression, when we see others being harmed, we are to care deeply about those issues. So we even see Jesus. He he was angry um, at the money changers in the temple when they were 
doing harm. And so here I want to point out that I, I really don't think Paul is speaking of this righteous type of anger. Um, he's speaking of an anger that gives the devil a foothold, an anger that threatens to distract us from this new way of life that he is describing, an anger that tends to foster and grow as we think about it. And so when we're angry, I think it's really important to ask the Spirit to help us to discern, hey, why am I angry here? What kind of anger is this? And, and what am I to do with it? Yeah. And Paul describes here an incredibly radical transformation that I think it might be easy to overlook or to miss in here. He says, anyone who's been stealing, don't steal anymore. That would be a pretty logical statement to make. But then he goes further. And he says, do something useful with your hands, not just so that you can take care of you, yourself, and your family. Uh, so don't steal anymore. Instead, do something with your hands so you can take care of you and yourself. But then he goes even further, and he says, so that you will have something to share with those in need. Mm -hmm. Paul is talking about a major transformation in the ways that we live. He previously said, don't live in the futility of the thinking of the past. And now he describes what it might, might look like from a thief to one who works hard so that they can give generously, a radical transformation he speaks of. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there is a radical transformation for all of us who believe in Jesus. When we experience Jesus, when we come to know Jesus, when we follow Jesus, it calls for a radical transformation mm -hmm. in our lives. I think some of us um, maybe have the are under the impression that if if I don't have a big conversion story or dramatic conversion story, a, a dramatic before and after picture, then um, maybe I my life won't be transformed in these radical ways. I mean, if I've lived a pretty good life so far, then maybe knowing Jesus won't make that big of a difference in my life. And I really think that this is a lie from the devil intended to blind us to the transformation, the radical transformation that the Spirit wants to do in our lives. When God calls us to follow, he calls us to surrender completely to him, to be wholly loved by him, wholly guided by him, to be transformed, to reflect his love and goodness. And that means that every thought, every decision, every action, every interaction that we have, the spirit wants to, to transform and, and, and help us to better reflect God's love and goodness. Yeah, and so he goes on to, in fact, talk about those interactions and relationships with each other and what it looks like in this new way. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up in accordance with their need, that it may benefit those who listen. Wow, that's a radical statement about how we might speak to each other. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, instead, uh, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, mm -hmm. slander, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. He describes this radical transformation in the ways we would interact with each other, uh, that our goal would be to use language uh, to build each other up in accordance with another person's need, that we would look for the needs of another and choose speech that would build them up, encourage them, draw them further into the this life of Jesus. 
and our thinking then is towards the other mm -hmm. much more so than mm -hmm. for ourselves so so powerful and then in this section he says be kind and compassionate this is what it looks like to live this new life to to be kind and compassionate forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you and what i think is so powerful here is that in this new life christ is the standard christ is the goal the standard that we are, are, are working towards his life on earth is the example that we are to follow and his life was completely radically surrendered to god in fact that's what he'll say in verses or chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 which we're going to include both in this week's mm -hmm. and next week's it's kind of the uh the capstone the central idea in all of this follow god's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as christ loved and gave him up himself up as a sacrifice so mm -hmm. uh, he, he says in here follow god's example yeah, and that's really like the crux of Paul's plea mm -hmm. to the believers is follow God's example. And remember, like you were saying before, remember who you are. You're, you are dearly loved children. And as dearly loved children, follow God's example. You're invited into his family. You've been called. Now live in this way. In the way of love. Jesus way was the way of love. Now, quite often in our religious circles, we want to be known for our righteousness or our rightness. These are things mm -hmm. we value highly in our religious circles. But Jesus said something very contrary. He said, you'll know my disciples by their love. You will recognize my people by their love. And Paul is calling us back to that. He's saying, so throw off those old way of thinking, that old way of living, and live in the way of Jesus Christ, which is the way of love. So as Jesus followers, we are, we have been made new. And we are invited today and for the rest of our lives, we are invited to live into this new way of life. And through the Spirit, who dwells within us, we are continually being made new um, each day. So we are invited today to live into this life and to walk in the way of love. And Paul reminds us it's so easy to fall back into old habits. He's speaking yeah. to people in the first century in the region of Ephesus, and he's saying, hey, that's your old way live in the new way and today we remind ourselves I, I don't i don't want to fall back into those old ways i have been given new hope new direction in life and i want to live into the things of jesus you know maybe that's part of the reason why we're continually being made new because at times we do fall back mm -hmm. into those old ways and when that happens again the invitation is the same god says draw near to me. I've invited you and I will make you new. And now follow my example and live this life of love. Let's pray about that. God, thank you uh, for this word. And God, where it might confront us, where we might feel challenged by it, God, give us the courage um, to be an open vessel, to listen for your word and to be shaped by it. 
God, we ask that you will uh, help us as we strive to live into this new way of being. God, help us to follow your example, to live in the way of Jesus, in the way of love, to choose speech and patterns in life that build people up and encourage people and draw them towards your way of love in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a wonderful week.